The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. This morning, we're going to close out our battle series. And I was thinking about introducing my dad. You know, you get an opportunity to introduce somebody that you really admire and really look up to, and someone that's obviously made a big impact on your life. And as I was worshiping this morning, the thing that kind of hit me was one of the things that people have seen in me, if you know me, and probably you, you've been around the church, is, is faith is something I don't struggle with. Faith is something I'm very strong in. And, and faith is trust in God. And I, I honestly believe one of the reasons why I am able to trust my Father God the way I am is because I had a Father who modeled the love of God in my life like he was supposed to. And so this morning, church, I want you to honor the patriarch of New Song Church. Uh, If you only knew what this man and my mother have done for me and Sarah, during our toughest times when we were an absolute mess, they were the ones that stood by us and lifted us up. And so much of what you get to experience today was born because of those people and their willingness to stand beside us in our darkest moments. So church, would you please stand with me in honor my father, Ken Blunt, this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're very kind. Wow. Uh, It's an honor to be here. I have, I have some things to say this morning. Um, so cool what God's doing here. So awesome. What a day. What a day to be alive. Turn to your neighbor and say, what a day to be alive. Uh, I, I'd like to say this. We brought some of, our, some of our books. Trudy and I, my wife Trudy, honey, stand up. Uh, you know, you, anybody says anything good about me. That's the foundation of everything right there. Um, man, my wife, you know, we're, we're supposed to hear God's voice, right? Here's one thing you need to learn. The voice of God, most of the time in your life, it's going to be your wife. <laughs> so, so learn to listen, which is sometimes encouraging, strengthening. Sometimes you don't know what you're talking about. Shut up and listen to me. That's the way it works in marriage. I don't know. Anyway, if you'd like some info on marriage, we brought our book called Devil Proof Your Family. It's out on the table. Uh, I really like this book. It, uh, Charisma House produced it for us. It's half the book is on marriage. Half the book is on raising kids. And uh, I encourage you to get one of these. In fact, I'm going to give one away this morning. Somebody that your spouse is just driving you crazy. Raise your hand up real quick. First hand right here. Okay. I mean, that, that was quick. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gina. Uh, but anyway, uh, check those out on the table. If you don't buy it for any other reason, there's some really good stories about Josh when he was a little kid that you need to, you need to read about. And also, you can pick up one of these cards that says free. Everybody say free. free. And you can go to our website and get all kinds of free teaching. You know, we've been doing this a while, and we have a lot of archives and it, it'll be a blessing to you. We're talking about, let's jump into this, okay? I've got limited time. We're talking about uh, battles in our series, right? This morning, we're going to kind of wrap everything up, and here's our title, The Legality of the Battle. The Legality of the Battle. Uh, life is kind of like 
played out like a courtroom drama when you think about it. And there are legalities that have to be followed when we think about courtroom uh, uh, things that go on in a courtroom, whenever judgments are, are coming against you. Now, I would love to tell you that in your life, if you get saved, wouldn't this be cool to tell people, if you get saved, you'll never have any more battles. Wouldn't it be good if we could say that to people? But it doesn't work that, that way, right? It's because we have to fight things on the earth. I know a pastor in the Northwest I've known for a long time, and, and his church, they got a lot of street people saved. And so they baptize people all the time. Water baptized them. They get saved. And, of course, water baptism, you're making a declaration. I'm dying to my old man, and I'm going to live a new life. And he said, I'm baptizing these people, and I'm thinking all the things they're going to have to learn, what they're going to have to go through, you know, because you get saved in your spirit, but then your mind has to be renewed, right? And so he's thinking about, man, they're going through a lot of, of things. He's, he said, I was tempted at times just to go ahead and leave them under the water and just send them to heaven so they don't have to go through these things. But here's the deal. God doesn't want to kill you when you get saved. You have a life to live that's supposed to have impact on the earth. And you will be contended against. And you need to understand that. So we're talking this morning about the battle and the legality of the battle. Because there is a rule of law that has to be followed. So I'm going to give you seven things. They're in your notes. I'm going to, I'm going to hit quite a few scriptures um, some, I'm going to spend a little more time on some of these than others, but, uh, th these are seven legal terms that I think it's important to understand. Number one in your notes is a summary judgment. It's important to understand what a summary judgment is. Here's what this means. When you are accused, you have to show up at court and contest the accusation made or a judgment can be rendered against you called a summary judgment. If you don't state that there are important facts that dispute this case against you, you lose automatically. See, you can lose this summary judgment. You may be guilty and lose. But you can also be totally innocent and lose. So, therefore, we need to understand that we have to stand up and fight. you got to be willing to fight in life. Now, go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. You're going to be amazed that these scriptures we're reading this morning, the legal terms that are involved in what God has, has told us to live by in his word. First uh, Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Now, this word uh, in the Greek means an opponent in a lawsuit. The devil is your enemy. He is your adversary, it says in the King James. He fights against you. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. You can't be a weakling if you're going to win battles, right? You have to stand up. Well, Brother Ken, I don't feel like I'm worthy. You know, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you're a believer, you can stand up and fight, not because of you, but because of what Jesus did for you, right? Let's keep reading. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same thing, kind of suffering that you are. So you, when you're attacked, you got to fight. Listen, the nature of a Christian when you get saved is to be a nice, sweet person. Right? I mean, we have love in our heart, and we just kind of want to go, yeah, I just love everybody. But listen, you can't, you can't be kind to the devil. <laughs> you got to stand up and fight. And you may be thinking this too. Well, Brother Ken, you don't understand. The battle I'm facing is just big, and it's, I don't know, and it's, you know, it's looming, and, and I don't know if I can overcome this. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Talking about a summary judgment. You got to stand or a summary judgment will be, will be passed and you go down. 
okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation. That word temptation means trial. We're talking about legal trials. No temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But, oh, this is good, but with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's a way out, no matter how tough it looks. I'm going to talk about that this morning. But you can get out, and you've got to take this stance. I am being accused by the devil, and I am innocent until proven guilty. How many know that's the way it works in court? So don't get caught in a summary judgment. Number two, you've got to understand uh, about the plaintiff or the accuser. Now, this represents the devil. The devil is one that brings a suit against you. Revelation 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now, salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Notice accuser, legal terminology, right? Who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down. Understand this. The devil initiates this lawsuit against you. He's the one behind all the bad things that happen. Pastor Josh talked about that. He only comes around to steal, to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to take you down. And he is very serious about it. Now, I want you to turn to, to Psalm 109, verse 6. I'm going to read a few scriptures. I got quite a few scriptures. I probably won't read them, read them all. But this is David when he was being pursued by Saul. And King Saul wanted to take him out. If you've read about him in the Bible. And David hadn't done anything wrong. In fact, David hadn't done anything even against Saul. He was trying to submit to Saul as the king. But David's being pursued, and Saul wants to kill him. In fact, there were attempts on his life, so David has to run and hide, right? And so David's talking to God about this. In Psalm 109, I'm going to pick this up in verse 6, and he says, They say, get an evil person to turn against him. Send an accuser to bring him to trial. When his case comes up for judgment, let him be pronounced guilty. Count his prayers as sins. I want you to see in these scriptures how evil the devil is and how sinister he is and how much he hates you. Let his years be few. Let someone else take his position. May his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. He wants to kill you. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he's earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in a single generation. This is the devil's attitude toward you. You have to take this seriously. And my friend, you have to stand up against the accuser, right? Never forget he's ruthless. Number three, we have to understand about the judge. Now, the judge, up to now, we've had some tough news, right? But this is getting good. Because the judge, that would be God. And the rule of law declares that the fundamental rights of all citizens will be protected. And God makes sure that happens. Because here's the deal. God is in charge of everything. All law originates with him. He is the rule of law. He presides over the earth. He watches over the trial so that it's followed. God will make sure it's fair and, and, and good. And you can trust in the judge. You have a good judge. Psalm 9, 8 says this about God. He shall judge the world in righteousness. 
And he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. God's dealings are always balanced and they're always totally fair. He is totally impartial, but this is an oxymoron I'm, I'm about to say, okay? But he's also totally partial. What do you mean, Brother Kim? Psalm 68, 5 says this. He is, speaking of God, he is a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. So God is two things. He is, first of all, he's the judge of all, right? But if you know him, now listen, not everybody knows him, right? This is something you have to believe in Jesus and what he did for you. But whenever you trust in Christ, you are born again and you have a brand new daddy. You get a new father. And so he is impartial in the sense of being a judge. But when it comes to caring about you, he is totally partial. And, you know, the the best way I know to describe this is uh, I am, you know, you saw on on the screen, I'm an overseer in this church. And that doesn't mean I'm the boss or I'm the pastor. I know everything that's going on, okay? But I am asked from time to time my opinion And you can tell I've been around a while. I'm fairly old. I've been in ministry. I've done a couple of things. And I don't know it all. But sometimes, you know, people, leadership can call on me to to ask what I think about this. So in that sense, I am obligated to God to be totally fair. and, And first of all, do what I believe the Bible says, right? And so I'm responsible and, and impartial, and I, and, I, and I have to make sure that the best of my ability to live by what the truth is. But on the other side, I'm dead. I mean, to the pastor and Mrs. Pastor. I mean, she's not one of my kids, but it's, she nearly is. It's real close. You can get much closer. I love them, and they're my kids. And to be a father, you know, there's something about that that's different than anything else in the world. It's kind of like... A few weeks ago, a, a guy that I know was a really good guy too. I'm not putting him down at all, but he, he came to church. He's, he's about my age and we're visiting in the back and, and he lives in another city. And so we're talking, I said, Hey man, we're glad you're here today. What brought you here? He said, Oh, we just had to come check up on some of our kids talking about Josh and Sarah, because he's, he's been very helpful in their life and, and helped them a lot in different areas. And, but, you know, I heard that and I thought, well, that's cool in one sense. But I got to tell you, on the inside, can I be honest? I just thought, that's great, but they're not your kids. They're my kids. You understand what I'm saying here? When it comes to attacks coming against you, yeah, God's going to judge it right. But you're his kids. He's your daddy. He's a judge, but he's a perfect father. And he loves you. So he's partial, but impartial. Does that make sense? Number four is the defendant. Who is that? That is us. We are the brethren being accused. And the enemy comes against us. Point to remember, the defendant never starts a trial. Here's what I mean by that. You just don't say, you know, I don't like the devil. So you just walk up and challenge him. Hey, let's me and you. Come on, let's go. Come on, I just dare you to put something on me. You don't do it that way, right? No, he always comes against you to try to take you down. Lawsuits are always initiated by the prosecutor or the accuser. Um, Number five, the defense attorney. It's very important to understand. A defense attorney. You need a good attorney, right? 
If you're being sued, you need a good attorney, a legal representative that is schooled in the intricacies of the law and is a representative for someone. You need representation. And the attorney that we have, let me tell you about him. He is better than any, anybody like courtroom drama and, you know, like movies about, you know, law. And, and you know, uh, there's a, a movie, it's, it's kind of getting old now, A Few Good Men. Remember that movie? That's cool. I've watched that movie a lot of times, more than once. And I just love, and I love it when they get to the climax, you know, and, and, uh, and Tom Cruise says, I, I want the truth. And Jack News says, you can't handle that truth. And that's, I'm not very good at that. But anyway, and, and the good guys win, right? There was a uh, series when I was growing up, maybe some of you older guys remember this, called Perry Mason. Anybody remember Perry Mason? Perry Mason, it was a, it was a, a group of novels that were written in the, in the, uh, I think the, the 40s and 50s. Uh, and and Perry, the guy that wrote it, Earl Stanley Gardner, wrote more books, sold more books in the 20th century than anybody else. So everybody loved Perry Mason. Perry Mason, week after week, a trial would come up. Perry Mason was always the uh, def- defending attorney. And Perry Mason never lost one case because he was good. Listen, our attorney is like that. He's good. He never loses cases. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's look at our attorney. It says this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Now, in the voice uh, 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 version of the Bible, it says this, for this word advocate, it means a high-powered defense attorney. I like that. It means a legal assistant. In the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, it is the word parakletos, which means a comforter, the Holy Spirit. So we have an advocate, now keep on reading, with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That scripture just tells us who our attorney is. It's first of all, Jesus Christ is the attorney that goes and stands for us, right? But he has like... Maybe you could call him a paralegal, although he's God too, call the Holy Spirit. And he's there to comfort. He has a role to play in this. And then it also mentions the Father. Remember, the Father's impartial, but he's on your side. Think about your defense team. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You can't go down if you just listen to the defense team, right? You need to use them all. But there is a difference, big difference, in an earthly trial and a spiritual trial. In the world, you hire an attorney who's passed the bar. He's, you know, he's legally qualified. He studied the law, right? And he knows the law. Uh, And you depend totally on his expertise and on his knowledge. But in a spiritual trial, you have to get involved. What what do you mean by that, Brother Ken? You got to learn the law. You got to learn what the book says. You for yourself have to have to dig in and find what God says about you. And let me tell you, if you're going to win, you better sometime in your life get serious about putting this word in your hearts. Now, when I was a kid, I was 25 years old. Trudy and I were saved. Some of you know what we've told a little bit of our testimony. We just, we just sold out to God. You know, we were young. I, I was only 19. She was only 17. We got saved. We got filled with the Holy Spirit. It rocked our world. We began to serve God. And I knew I was called into ministry. I didn't exactly know what to do about that. I didn't know what that would look like. 
But the thing that we began to do when we, when we knew we were, we got really involved in local church. Listen, if you want to find direction in your life, it's so important that you find a place in the local church and you serve and you're disciple. You, it takes time. You have, to, you have to get in and learn some things, right? And so we're serving in this church. And I hear about this guy that's coming to our church. I'm 25 years old. And his name is Dick Mills. And Dick Mills, he's gone to heaven now, but he had a very unusual ministry. Dick Mills would prophesy. He would give words, prophetic words to people in services. In fact, at the end of the service, I didn't know he was going to do this, but he said, would anybody here, if you would like a prophetic word, line up, and I'm going to give you one. But here's the way he gave them a word. He would give them scripture. And he would give them many scriptures. I mean, I, I listened to this guy and I thought, this guy has memorized the Bible. And he gave me, I walked up and he gave me five scriptures. Let me read a couple, couple of them to you. He gave me 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study, right? He gave me Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. He gave me Exodus 4.12. Now therefore go and I be, will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. He gave me Hebrews 2, 4, God bearing them witness with signs and wonders and different miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he gave me these five scriptures and he looked at me and said, young man, you better get busy. You got something to do. And I walked away and I, and, and here's what happened to me. I thought, I got, this guy's an example. I saw, he got the word in him. If I'm going to do what I'm called to do and fulfill my purpose, I got to learn the word. So I committed to not just reading the Bible, which I, I did, but I would read the Bible and I would ask God by the Holy Spirit, show me scriptures I need to think about. And I would pick out one scripture. And my job at that time, I drove around. I lived in Fort Worth. I drove all over town and I visited people. I was a visitation pastor at our church, 25 years old. I don't know a lot. Um, so that's what they, they said. You don't know a lot. You don't need to preach. You need to do this. So that's what I did. And, but while I'm driving around, I'd, I'd have my little three by five card and I would read that scripture and I would say it out loud. I would do what you call meditate, which means I meditate means you memorize it, but you also talk it and you speak it and you, you get it in you. And I tell you what, it began to change my life. I began to learn a scripture about every three days and then I'd move to another one. And that I can tell that was one of the things that rocked my world when I put the word of God in me. You got to understand what the Bible says. God wants to help you, but he can't do it all for you. You have to help him in, the, in your defense of the things you're going through. Number six, circumstantial evidence. The devil wants to convict you with circumstantial evidence. In other words, here's how he comes at you with circumstances in the world. Things like sickness, financial difficulty, relationship issues, pornography, any kind of sexual sin, alcoholism, drug addiction, family dysfunction, abandonment, divorce. All these things are real, right? And they're evidence. And as human beings, we all fall into there's more categories than this, but we fall into these things. I had a problem with alcoholism, and it was a fact. And that's the evidence that the enemy tries to convict you with. And yet, there is superior evidence. Number seven, this is my last point. And that superior evidence is what the Word of God says. 
Because the word of God in you coming out of you will, will circumvent and will trump what the devil says about you. For instance, the evidence may say that you are a sinner. And the evidence said that about all of us, right? And yet when you get saved and receive Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible says about you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't say you're a sinner. It doesn't even say you're an old sinner saved by grace. You hear people say that. Oh, Brother Ken, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Not if you got saved by grace. Here's what it says about you. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. For verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5. For he made him to be sin for you. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not only are you righteous. You are the righteousness of God in him. God sees you, we sang about it this morning, through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know how it it happens. It's a miracle. It's awesome. But everything changes when you're in Him. So run to Him. And let the uh, evidence of what the Bible says trump the evidence of what the devil's trying to do in your life. But you may say, Brother Ken, but I'm guilty. I mean, even after you get saved, you'll be guilty from time to time. Because nobody's perfect, right? What, what do I do when the charges are right? And, and it's true. And, and here's what you do. You go, your honor, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. <laughs> and remember, 1 John 2, 1. Let's read this. My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. The will of God is that you don't sin. And you get better at not sinning as you go along, right? But here's the deal. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an attorney. That you get with him. And you know what? Your attorney can get it off your record. Just run to him. Isaiah 43 verse 25. I know I'm running through these scriptures quickly. I got to go somewhere. Uh, Isaiah 43 25. Look, I love this scripture. This is so awesome. This is God talking. I, yes, I alone, that's Jesus, will blot out your sins for my sake. For my sake. And will never think of them again. Let us review the case together, and you can present your case to prove your innocence. In other words, go to him. New King James says, state your case that you may be acquitted. Uh, King James says, put me in remembrance, remind me. We'll plead together that you may be justified or declared not guilty. Ah! There is superior evidence to the circumstances. Now, let me try to give you an illustration about how this has worked in my life, okay? And I'll close with this. 1986. This is back in the day when I was working with Willie George in Tulsa, and we were doing children's ministry. Some of you may know of the Gospel Bill Show. Yeah. A lot of your kids watch it here, yeah. And I played a character. It was a cowboy show. Uh, we got little kids saved. We taught them about Jesus. It, it went all over America, other parts of the world. We did over 200 episodes. It was really cool. And, and so I traveled. I traveled with Willie, his gospel bill, and my character, Nicodemus. And then sometimes I would do meetings by myself, too. And I'd go to churches, and, and we'd, we'd do what we call family rallies. Because we, we didn't just want to teach little kids. We wanted the moms and dads there so they could see how it was done, so we could help them see the importance of this. So anyway, I had been traveling. And I'm coming home from, from a meeting, and Trudy's picking me up at the airport in Tulsa. And so, you know, we, she meets me at baggage claim, and I, I looked at her and said, are you doing okay? She said, yeah, I'm just tired. I haven't been feeling really well. And, you know, I've been wallpapering, and, uh, and, uh, and I found out later that she had been on a diet at that time, and she'd been drinking a lot of coffee and not eating much. 
And she said, I just don't feel good. She said, I went to the doctor. I said, well, what did he say? He said, oh, you probably just got some kind of flu or virus or something. I said, okay. So we got my luggage, went home. That night, in the middle of the night, though, I woke up, and she was just trembling beside me. And, and she, I said, honey, you okay? She said, I'm just so cold, I can't get warm. So I got some cover, and, you know, I thought, what's going on here? So I called the, the emergency room, told them the symptoms. They said, oh, she probably just, you know, she's got real severe case of the flu. You might want to take her to the doctor the next morning. So I got up the, the next morning, and I, was, I got up before her, and I was walking around. And I felt an alarm in my heart because God well, your spirit picks up on things, right? So I called the doctor. We took her in. The doctor did a blood test. Now, he had done one and not found anything. This time he comes back and he says, um, she's got, uh, we need to get her to the hospital. And he kind of had a look of fear in his eye. I remember thinking, it's kind of like maybe he misdiagnosed the first time. I don't know. He said, you need to get her to the hospital. So we had my two little kids. We had our 86 Toyota van put her in the back, laid, laid down, went to the hospital. So they put her in a hospital room, and they said that she had a kidney infection. And so I'm thinking, well, kidney infection, that didn't seem like that big a deal to me, right? So uh, we'd been up late, and there was another lady, a good friend of ours, that came to stay with Trudy for a while. And uh, so I went home, and I went to sleep, and I slept, I don't know, an hour or so. And I get a call from this lady. Her name's Lana. She played Miss Lana on the, on the Gospel Bill Show. She said, Kenny, you need, to, you need to get up here. She said, she's really sick. She's throwing up. I said, really? So I ran back up there, uh, went through the afternoon. You know, the doctors are saying it's a kidney infection. I'm still not gelling that this is that big a deal. People would come and go. Everything's going to be okay. You know, it's a little deal. She was sitting up talking. But then a little bit later in the evening, she, she went out of it. And she... It's like she went in a, no, it wasn't a coma, but she wasn't talking. She was just sleeping. And the doctor came in that night about 10 o'clock. And uh, he said, Mr. Blunt, I need to see you. Come here. So we went in the room. And he said, uh, I just want you to know what we're facing here. She has got kidney infection that has turned into kidney poisoning. And her blood is toxic. And if we can't break this thing, we're giving her the strongest antibiotic. She's so weak that we could lose her and that's what you're facing and I thought oh my goodness what are you kidding me it just came you, you know when you get in battle sometimes you, you'll think how did this happen I mean I'm a good person right this is what you do I'm Nicodemus on the gospel bill show how could this happen to me but how many know your pedigree won't, won't get you past things in battles so I knew what I had to do. And I got to tell you, I felt so, my, I'm talking about how I felt. I thought, have I got what it takes? Have I, do I have enough in me? Because I knew we were in a, in a war for her life. I remember I, I had to take the kids some clothes. 1986, so, so Josh was six. Brooke was 10, his sister. Some other people were watching them. And I had to go to our house in Tulsa. And this is October 29th, 1986. And the first cold front of the year had blown through. And in this house, the, the door, front door faced the, uh, the east. And that door, whenever the wind blew just right, and the door closed, you could hear like a, you know, it's kind of cold outside. Halloween kind of 
mood. And so I open the door and close it, and I'm reaching over. It's dark in our entryway. I'm looking for the light switch, and I heard so strong. I heard, you, your wife will never come back here again. The way your family has been up to now will never be again. And in a moment of time, I saw a funeral. And I saw, I saw a casket and a hearse. And I saw my little kids with me in, in, in sorrow. And, and I thought, what are we going to do? And it was so strong. And through gritted teeth, and I didn't feel like it. But I said, it was the voice of the devil I know now. The devil will talk to you. He'll accuse you. You don't have what it takes to go through this battle. I said, we, my family, will return here to worship God in Jesus' name. And I made my stand. So I went back to the hospital. And she's out of it. So now it's late at night. It's like 1 and 2. And I got my Bible. And I began to go to Scripture. I'm so glad I knew some Scripture. Because I went to healing Scriptures that we needed. We needed healing Scriptures for the moment. This is why you put the Word in you beforehand. On certain subjects, you need to know healing scriptures. You need to know scriptures about finances. You need to learn scriptures that will help you combat the enemy when these things come. And I walked around her hospital room, and I began to declare those scriptures. 1 Peter 2, 24, who bore my sin in his own body, by whose stripes we were healed. If we were healed, I am healed. I declare healing over her. In the name of Jesus, I would lift my hands up. Boy, it was hard. I felt like my words were falling on the floor. But I did it. And I walk out in the hall. And I had my Bible. I'd be walking around the room with my Bible. I was praying in the Spirit. Nurses would come in. I'd re be reading my Bible. I didn't stop. I didn't care what they thought. They'd look at me and just, I didn't care. You get in a battle, you don't care, right? This is like 3 in the morning, 4, 5, 5 o'clock in the morning. I was sitting in a pleather chair. You know what pleather is? It ain't plastic, but it ain't leather, right? I can still see it. It, it was a typical hospital chair from that time with little pleats in it. But I, I dozed off in that chair, and I'm about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I hear this little whisper. Kenny. Kenny. I woke up. It's Trudy. She couldn't hardly talk. She hadn't talked in hours. And I went over, and I said, honey, what? She said, could you get me some food? I'm hungry. Oh, yes. So I ran down to the nurse. Oh, we need bacon, eggs. We need food. She wants to eat. I got some food down there. Man, she ate. She ate a whole plate. She laid six eggs and a loaf of toast and a pound of bacon and not that much, but she ate. And it was awesome. And sitting up in bed and about eight o'clock, we're just visiting. And this is October the 30th. This is my birthday. The doctor walked in. He said, did a double take. What happened to you? And we said, God happened. God happened. Man, the evidence was stacked. Case was tough, but I had help. I had the word of God. I had Jesus. I had the comforter. I had to, I had to fight. You got to be willing to fight. You got to claim what's rightfully yours. Listen, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it, there will be times, I'd like to tell you, it'll never happen, but it will. I'm not, I don't know how severe it'll be sometimes, but you've got to prepare yourself for the battle because you've got what it takes to make it. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. Lord, we thank you today for this word. As I look at these people and I look them in the eye, I see winners.
I see those that have victory in their heart. They're facing things this morning, Lord. But I thank you that you put us over in Jesus' name. And you're the one that always causes us to triumph. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.